I consider, you know, a, uh, a mega church pastor in the making. Uh, I am really excited about Emmy Vasquez being with us uh, tonight and he and his wife, Emily. Can you imagine we've got Emmy and Emily, all right? So I'm just going to call them Eminem officially. <laughs> um, but they're here, you know, and they're getting ready to plant a church in Lancaster, Massachusetts. How many want to just, just feel, don't you feel good knowing there's some people planting churches up here? Doesn't that make you excited to do that? I'm telling you what, it's awesome to see that happen in our region, that people feel called to this area, and they want to, it takes a pioneer and a pioneer spirit and a lot of faith to just to plant a church, period. But to plant a church in Massachusetts, in Lancaster, hello, it takes some faith. And this, and this young man has some faith, and he has some fire shut up in his bones, and he's got a humility and an honoring spirit, and I just, I love his heart, he's just a, he's a tender warrior, I, I know he's got a powerful story, and I believe he's going to be a blessing to you guys, I consider, you know, him like a, a spiritual son, I've been, you know, had the opportunity to be able to, you know, play a kind of an indirect role, and direct role, and some, you know, uh, mentorship with him, and just help, and I just, I just want him to feel, I hope you guys can fall in love with him the way I have, his family and his following, you know, his daughter Ileana and his mom's here tonight. Where's mom? Mom, 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 where'd she go? Anyway, birthday. There she is. Birthday t- today. Mom's birthday today. And so it's just great to, to see the family and, uh, and see what God is doing. And so they're, they're, they're going to be a part of us. You know how Tyler and Crystal at Story Hats, they're part of who we are. And Life Zone's a part of who we are. Let me tell you, Emmy and Em, they're a part of who we are. And so you're going to hear more about Excel Church. They're launching in February. I'll let him tell his own story. But uh, would you just give the warmest welcome you can for Emmy as he comes up to minister to us? Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. Come on. Is this on? Am I on? Come on, come on. Is this on? Am I on? Let me know. Let me know. I'm good? I'm good? Nah, I'm tremendously humbled, especially you start standing. I'm like, man, I'm out of place. You start doing that. Absolutely. Um, well, let me see here. Let, let me just say before we get started uh, that uh, the Bible says this. Uh, this is a proverb, Solomon. I love Solomon. Um, he said, he who walks with the wise grows wise but a companion to fools will suffer harm. And you do got to watch the circle of people that you keep around you. You really do, especially if you're trying to move forward. It doesn't mean that the people who are living wrong are bad people. They're making bad choices. But if you're trying to move on, sometimes you can't carry all that extra weight with you. And, and I've made a decision in my life to surround myself with people who will speak into my life. I had a conversation with him. Actually, he sent me a text the other day. He said, send me an outline of what you got and sent it to him. And he sent me a response back. And he said, that's what I'm talking about. I want to see you grow. Maybe not as big as him, but I want to see you grow, and I want to see you go. And I'm looking at the phone, and I'm just smiling. I'm like, yeah, that's my man right there. I said, that's my man. And I felt so empowered and so encouraged through a text. But when you have somebody who, who understands being life-given, and they can pour that into other people, you, you got to understand, I've been around people in leadership where they, they can be real restrictive. And, and when they see something on you, sometimes they want to keep you in a box. And, and let me just add this. You're going to get put in a box when you die. Don't let people put you in a box while you're alive, all right? And so I stole that tweet, by the way. <laughs> it, it was really good, and it, I knew it would work at some point. But, but he speaks, and, and, and just and like he said, it, it's a new relationship, but I'm just honored. And we had a conversation, and I said, listen, let's get the roles quick. Let's get, it, let's get identified with the role. You're not my brother, my spiritual brother. I look at you as a spiritual father. 
I already put you on my website, a picture of me hugging him like this is my mentor, you know? So I'm honored and I appreciate it. And, and you can expect Excel Church, the money that we've been uh, raising as we prepare to launch, because we're doing something as well. And so God has an agenda, people, and it takes money to do it. And I'm not here to, you know, be the campaign spokesman behind D to say, let's do this. But I am to some degree, because I just told my wife while you were speaking, every dollar that comes into Excel Church, we plan on, take, we take a tithe, right? As people give, we automatically cut that 10% and we put it into a savings account right now, so that when we get ready to launch this church, there's already going to be a tithe that's going to go out to people who are doing God's work. And you can expect a portion of that tithe to come to Connect Community Church in reference to what he's doing. I believe in the tithe. And if I really was to get into this and talk about, you know, how I learned about tithe, and I'm going to go ahead and throw this in there. We really won't get into it. But people, when I found out about tithe, then I was so sold out for God that I was in a position where I was making a dollar a day. And at the end of my week, when I was making $5 at the end of the week, you know, you know Kenneth Copeland Ministries got that 50 cent? They were giving me books and resources and tapes and CDs, and I was going back and read, devouring. I was memorizing these books. So they were pouring into my life as an individual. I was growing spiritually in the kingdom of God, so they got that 50 cent. And sometimes, and if I felt blessed, they'd get a dollar. <laughs> but that principle was so important by learning it when I and end up in a situation where money was coming, I didn't struggle in my heart to do it because it was already an established principle. Amen. Yeah, it's a, it, I, I got things I want to say, so, so support them, support them. I'm running behind them. That should say a little something, something, right? All right, so this is what I'm going to do. Actually, let me have my, my wife stand up real quick. I just want to introduce my wife, you know. She's been there, so I just want to, that's my wife, Emily. I, I really didn't have her stand so that, uh, you could see her. I just like looking at her, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm going to share two scriptures with you. Uh, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to look at three verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses uh, 4, 5, and 6, and then we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. And if I do my job correctly, you know, under God's anointing, I, I want to marry these two verses together, and hopefully we're going like, like, to have a wedding Marry these two verses, let them procreate, and they're gonna, hopefully we bear some fruit out of these experiences here. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to start there. And I, let me just give you a brief syllabus about some of the things that we're going to talk about. I'm going to mention three things to you that I'm going to pull out of Genesis chapter 1. And the three things that we're going to pull at, Paul, in his text in 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul, he quotes a verse from Genesis chapter 1. He talks about how you get saved, and when you, come to, when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or understanding God through the face of Jesus Christ, God turns on the light. And when God turns on the light, he compares that experience to what God did in the book of Genesis when God said, let there be light, and light lit up a dark world. So we're going to look at Genesis. These are the three points that I'm going to share with you. Number one, we're going to talk about recreation. Just like God recreated the world, he recreated your life. To be recreated is to be made anew. If you're here and you're never giving your life over to Jesus, you need to experience that new birth. It's good. Yeah. I heard that you guys just came off a series called The God of the Underdogs. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the woman at the well, and nor am I the, the woman who, you know, had five husbands or people who weren't her husbands and the one she's living with wasn't. I'm not any of them. I have my own story where I was an underdog. God transformed my life. So I'm telling you, God is so good. He is so good. But we're going to talk about rec recreation. And the second thing we're going to look at that we're going to pull out that text is we're going to look at restructuring. God wants to restructure your life. 
He wants to restructure it. When you start talking about restructuring, restructuring is changing, just creating a fundamental change inside to, to move things around, organization, moving elements and parts. That's restructuring. You see God do that in Genesis chapter 1. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is restoration. So we're going to talk about recreation, to be made new again, restructuring, where there's a fundamental change that's taking place. And then last but not least, uh, a restoration, where, where something that hasn't been used for a period of time can be restored, and then it's fully activated where it can be used to its fullest potential. You ever seen a car that just wasn't being used, but, but, but if somebody put some love and some time and some energy into that thing, it could be restored, and then you see somebody with the old Cadillac driving through the hood? Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's look at these two verses, and then uh, uh, let's pray. Let me, let me just pray real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get into the Word. I'm humbled that I have this opportunity. I never take it for granted, Lord, so I just thank you. Speak through my mouth. Think through my mind. Let it be all of you and none of me. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to move in this place. Move up and down the aisles, in and out of every road. Just touch, heal, deliver, set free, make whole. Whatever's wrong, Lord, I know that you got the power to make it right. So, Father, give us a revelation from heaven. Speak to us, empower us, and teach us. We believe you to do it in Jesus' name. If you believe that, somebody say amen. 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 All right, 2 Corinthians, it would help if I would get there, right? So we don't have any PowerPoints. And he told me you guys were a loving crowd, like you love the Bible. Like you were the believers seeking out the word and turning over every stone just to, just to find God. And I love that. I love people with an appetite. I don't know about you. I, you. I know you got an appetite. I like going out with my kids because they don't have an appetite. And when they don't finish eating, I get to eat all their food. So I, I, I love having an appetite. But, but I'm kind of like Job, where Job said that I treasure your words more than my necessary food. Where, where, yeah, and that's the type of attitude that we need to have, that, that there should be nothing that stops. When he's talking about the giving and tithing, really the tithe principle is just about putting God first in everything. So church should be a priority. Uh, allocating your schedule where God is at the center of it, and then everything else is just extracurricular activities. You, you don't plan God around soccer. Oh, sorry, I'm not, his, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the pastor. That's, I wait, I'll leave that for Excel Church when we, when we get this thing started. <laughs> by the way, by the way, if you have online capabilities, when you get a chance, Excel Church MA, followed by the letters MA for Massachusetts.com. You can check us out on the web. Um, you can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Please follow us. Tell your people to follow us. We're trying to build excitement, momentum, and just trying to get people enthused for what's taking place over in the Lemus, the Lancaster area, as we plant this new church. Um, and also, you can follow me on Twitter. Emmy Vasquez or M Vasquez, and tell people about it because we're coming. Yeah, I got some of my launch team people here, and I'm excited about um, them showing up and taking this time out. Second Corinthians chapter four. If you there, somebody say whoop. There it is. Oh, you there? Everybody there? So it's gonna have some pages turning. Let's start from verse three. And the Bible says, and even if our gospel is veiled, even if it's covered, even if it's hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, who are lost. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6, this is so good. For God who said, this is the verse he quotes from Genesis chapter 1. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ. I, oh, God, I start running right now, but you might say that's old school. I, man, I might just start running. Light and darkness, real quick, real quick. Light and darkness. Before we go further, I don't want you to get too, too spiritual with me. When I say light and darkness, it's not like God, you were in a dark room, and then all of a sudden God put you in a light room and he turned the light on. Anytime the Bible starts talking about light and darkness, we're in essence talking about light, knowledge. Darkness, ignorance. Light, you were unaware. Darkness, I mean, darkness, you were unaware. Light, God made you aware. Where you can see in the light, and you can't see in the darkness, whether it's ignorance or knowledge. So, so that's in essence. Let me, let me prove it to you real quick. Uh, John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's not what I'm looking for. Uh, in him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So when we talk about darkness, we're talking about not being able to comprehend. When you're talking about light and someone has been enlightened, we're talking about comprehension. People say, oh, I see. it's an Oprah moment, the aha, ah, that's the light. So when you get that in church and you say, man, I read that so many times and I just, the light was just turned on. That's what you call really divine revelation. God just revealed something. It was always there. If, if, if I turned off all the lights in this room right now, Everything that you see in this room with the lights on will still be in the room when you turn the lights off. The only difference is you cannot see it. And that's what it is with the gospel. When the, the apostle Paul, go to Genesis chapter 1. When the apostle Paul talks to us about people not being able to see the gospel, the, the, he, said, he refers to the gospel as being hidden. It's there. They just can't see it. It's there. They just can't see it. There's a lot that they can't see. You could take two people, put them in the same room, in the same, right sitting by next to each other, and they can hear the same word in the same atmosphere, and at the conclusion of it, you can have one person say, man, that was good. I got everything out of it. And the other person say, take me home. I don't know what he just said. And what's the difference? They got exposed to the same thing, the same word, the same teaching, but for one, the light was on. The other person was still in the dark. Just think about it. When it comes to people that you work with, you're saved. You come to church. You talk about church. I hope you love this church. You come to this church. And so you go to work and you're talking about the church and they cannot see why in the world you would work six days a week. And then on Sunday, on your only day off, you would wake up with your tie itself, grab all the crumb snatches in the house and bring them to church on your only day off. They cannot see it. And they don't understand because with you, God has turned on the light and your soul is saturated with the word of God. It's saturated with life, with invigoration. They don't understand. Actually, truth be told, they don't understand that the reason why you're able to deal with them <laughs> is because you come to church. So the next time they start tripping saying, why you need to stop talking to ch about church? I don't want to hear it anymore. You need to go right up to them and say, listen, you need to be driving me to the church because this is the only way I get to deal with you. Coming to church makes me stable. It gives me foundation. Without the word, I, it's like a broken substratum underneath me. I can't do it. So we have a tremendous privilege. We really do. We can see something that they can't. Th th this is where I'm going. This is, uh, what am I going to do here? Let's use this, for example. Genesis chapter 1. Let's go there so I can 
highlight my three points. Real, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without form and, and, and it was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, what did he say? Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated light from darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse. My, my translation, I'm reading from the NIV. Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate the water from the water. Separation. Somebody say separation. separation. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 7. So God made the expanse and separated the water underneath the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. And God called. He called. So he's separating things and he's calling things or giving things names. He's labeling things. Let's use that word. He's labeling things and separating things. And, 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 and the Bible says there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. Once again, he's still separating things. And he said, let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land, land ground and the, 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 and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. In verse 11, and God said that the land, let the land produce vegetation, which seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit would seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. And the land produced vegetation. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul starts talking about how when you got saved, he said the gospel is, is hidden from those that are lost. They can't see it. But when you got saved, the book says that he, he, when he saved you, it was like as if God said, let there be light, and, and God turned the light on in your life. Now, as a Christian, you can see. The light is on. You saw it. Now, it's important to understand that the verse that he quotes, he's talking about Genesis. So he says that there is a parallel between Genesis chapter 1 and what God did to you when you got saved. So it's important for us to go to Genesis chapter 1 to see what God did so we can see what God's trying to do in our life. So now that we are on Genesis chapter 1, we see God in action. He says, let there be light. Now, you got to remember now, we're not just talking about Genesis chapter 1. We're talking about somebody's life here. So somebody got saved. I'm using this table as somebody's, as I'm lying. Come here, D, stand up. Come over here real quick. I just want somebody to stand up. Oh, yeah, that's Derek. This is Donald. Either one, come on. So he gives his life. No, he's unsaved. He's in the dark. All you guys saved. You turned on the light. Light is on. Hey, light's on. You happy. <laughs> D's in the dark, but he works at your job. D's got some problems. You know, when your relationships are chaotic, everything starts coming unraveled. So when the enemy wants to destroy your life, I believe primarily he attacks relationships more than anything. Because if you, you complain that your wife's not there, you'll start looking outside the boundaries of your marriage. If your wife is not acting right or your husband's not acting right, I'm just going to go spend some money. So now you, you, all types of things spiral out of effect when I believe that relationships are being attacked. So he starts making bad decisions. He's blaming it on his wife. He says, you know what, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a go online and you know, just look a little bit. So this is one issue. Then, then, then you got, hypothetically, he's, he's making some other bad decisions. Maybe emotionally he can't handle the pressure of the relationships. I don't know his past, but he can't handle it. Now all of a sudden he makes another decision where he just says, yeah, uh, I'm going to start drinking to cope with the pain and whatever I'm going through. So now we put another issue around him. Let's say that speaker is another concern. He doesn't realize it in the dark. Sometimes you make decisions that compound, but because you're in the dark, you can't see how congested your life becomes because you're still in the dark. 
And isn't it interesting, Pastor D, that when people get saved, sometimes when we're not relational, it's easy for us to point out what they're doing wrong because you saved. So it's easy for Look at him now. Yeah, look at all that stuff he got happening in his life, huh? I want to look at them. Look, peeking out the window. Look at who's coming over right now. Look at that. And look at, and it's easy to see it because your light has been turned on and his hasn't. And if we understand how to be life-given, sometimes we just need to get him to a position where God can turn on the light. You're not God, so you can't turn on the light. So pointing out all these flaws that he can't see is still a struggle for him to relate with you because all you're doing is pointing out concerns. And, and, and God, when he starts transforming lives, he deals from the inside out. God doesn't deal from the outside in. And anytime you reverse the order, you will always deal with frustration because you're trying to earn God's favor instead of just giving your life and say, Lord, work with what I got. Just, just work with what I got. So he's surrounding himself. He's in the dark. God says, let there be light. Isn't it funny that when God showed up to the world, or rather when the world was here, it was just dark. And when he showed up, God didn't rearrange anything on day one. All God said was, let there be light. The light just came on. And what I'm suggesting to you in this one phrase called recreation, this is the recreation part. You just came alive. I lead him to the Lord. He sees Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Now he gets this Oprah aha moment. The light. I didn't, I didn't realize I had all these concerns. But now, y'all said, D. I didn't realize I had all these concerns. But now that he has turned the light on, I'm feeling a little stuffy in here. I got to move things around a little bit. You know, and isn't it funny how God didn't do everything in one day? Oh, that's big for us who really want to push people. Isn't it funny how when you get saved, you want to push people through their process, but when people start challenging you, you say, well, you know, the Lord knows my heart. He's working on me. <laughs> isn't it funny how we want patience, but we fail to really extend it to someone else? God just turned on the light. He didn't, he didn't do anything else. He didn't move anything around. He didn't label anything. He just said, let there be light. And there was just the infusion of light that revealed mud, dirt, water, everything else that was around. And I'm telling you that when you get saved, the light just been cut on. And when the light gets cut on, people, Christians rejoice because you got saved. But as a leader and as a pastor, I look at them and say, fun has just begun. Think about this. Think about this. The light gets cut on. Man, what am I going to do with that bottle under the sink? See, see, uh, are you, can you be real with me? Can I, can I be real? Come on, somebody say, preach Puerto Rican. <laughs> Let's be real. Let's be real. What am I going to do with that bag of weed I bought last week? He just got saved. You want to expedite him through a transformation today. God didn't save the world in one day. It took him seven days. It took God seven days to work on the globe. You know it's going to take that joker sitting next to you some time to really figure out. <laughs> Come on. It took me. I'm th <laughs> Hold on. I'm looking at my time. So, 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 what am I going to do? What am I going to do with those, all those numbers? What am, I, what am I going to do about that relationship that I started to groom and my wife doesn't know about? What am I going to do? So sometimes when God turns on the light, you have been living in darkness that you couldn't even see the compound nature of all those negative decisions. And when he turns on the light, 
war breaks out. This yeah, amen. Thank you, brother. Amen is right. So now, when that, but God doesn't want to just leave you there with the light on. And when the church just gets people saved and they stop with that process, really, with all due respect, we've done a disadvantage in the kingdom of God because God didn't just call us to lead people to the Lord and get them saved when God turns on the light. He wants them to go through a process. And thank God that you got a process. You can find your growth track. For those of you who have been, you understand your church and the structure, the assimilation process, you do know you have a growth track. And in that process, you just don't get saved. Your growth track is discovered in Genesis chapter 1, where you can discover Connect 101. Then you can go through Essentials 201 and realize, well, man, I didn't know prayer was that important. I didn't know the Holy Spirit wanted this relationship and walk by me in life, be my homeboy. I didn't know the Holy Spirit was cool like that. I didn't know. And sometimes you got to say this. I, I, with my people, I, I kind of always try to break scriptures down to be real practical because sometimes we think that God is not relatable. God is relatable. I don't, you don't have to be articulate or have the best oratorical abilities to get with God. You don't have to be linguistic and speak five languages. God speaks frog, people. No, really. Well, no, I'm not. Listen, when God, when God wanted to send all those frogs into Egypt, he called the frogs. He did. Come on. God. You know that clapping is taking up my time, right? Looking at my clock like I'm threatened right now. Yeah, man, God, God, speaks, God speaks grasshopper. He does. He sent them. He called them. The Bible says he called them and sent the grasshoppers. In order for him to communicate with them jokers, he had to speak the language. So my point is, is that don't let anybody intimidate you. You don't have to know a lot of verses. I believe that wherever you are, God can get with you. I believe that even if you're not a ticket, I have, I have, I, I relate with a lot of people. I believe I, I'm just cross, I can cross a lot of barriers and especially the people in the show. I just love people who are unbelievers. I really do. And when I run into people who can't, well, Emmy, you don't understand. I, I really can't speak like you. God is, he don't want you to speak like me. He wants you to speak like you. So if you can come to God and say, Lord, he said, you want to be my homeboy. You really want to be my homeboy? Well, I tell you what, come sit on the throne of my heart. And maybe I get, when, doing that will save you. That is sufficient for God. God can read throughout Morris code. Come on. God is smart. He gave you your thinker. All right, so listen. So the step two, stop, stop it, stop. I want to get to the step two. First step, recreation. He wants to recreate you. You want to be born again. The light comes on, but just the infusion of light is not sufficient enough. So now God brings you through what he did in Genesis chapter one, a restructuring process. Just moving stuff around. Mm. Mm. moving. The Bible says that he separated the water from the water and he called the, the, the expanse above sky and he called this seas. Then he said, man, the dirt is underneath. We got to get the water to move over here and separate this over here. And he's making all these movements and all these changes and he's just separating things. And the first thing under restructuring is separation where everything can't stay congested the way it was prior to getting saved. You, there has to be some discipline and some severity with some confrontation. You got to have somebody that can speak into your life and challenge you and say, now that you're married, you got to get rid of, you got to get a new phone. Ooh, that, one, that was prophetic. That was prophecy. You might need to call AT&T and get a new phone because you know she still has that old number. 
and you might need to replace it because when God, see, we can't talk about stage three, which is restoration and God bringing out of you everything that God placed in you. We can't talk about that goodness yet until we start making room for God to move. See, I believe that we can assist God in blessing us by making room for God to move. Sometimes our lives are too congested with so many things and we just need to make room by, mm, that's too close. As a matter of fact, this, that need to go. And this is a tough stage, people. This is a stage that it's going to be, it's going to be tough to deal with some of these people. Because during this stage right now in separation, they, they are cutting the umbilical cord of things that have been feeding them for years. You got to get rid of this. So when people start cussing at you and scratching at you and wanting to fight because you're removing certain things, be patient. Be patient when you shut down that account that they had for the last 10 years secretly. Be patient. This is that restructuring process. God had to restructure the earth, move things around you're going to have to do the same in your life. Yeah. The second thing up under restructuring is, is labeling. The Bible says he called sky. He gave it a name. He, he called the, the ground earth. He, he called these things. He started calling light. Uh, uh, he, yeah, the brightness. Oh, sidebar. Footnote. Isn't it interesting that God said, let there be light in day number one, but the sun, moon, and stars didn't show up to day number four? How is it that God gave us light with no sun? <laughs> Pastor D, there, I mean, <laughs> God is so good. <laughs> God, people, God doesn't need anything outside of himself to bless you. That's why we call him Jehovah Jireh. His, his provisions shall be seen in him. Everything is found in him. With all due respect, you, you don't have to go to external sources to find it. Really, God wants you to find everything in him. Let there be light. And had the whole world lit up without the sun. Sun, sun was delayed. It showed up four days late. I'm sorry, I just joined the party. God said, no, nah, you showed up at the appropriate time because I needed to let you know that I could bless you without what you think should bless you. God is the source of your money, talking about money, not your job. God is the source. Yeah, he's the source of your money. He's the source of every, the Bible says every good, James 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. So I don't care who signed the card. They may get credit for delivering it, but if it was good and perfect, God did it. Who sent the flowers last week? I know, who, I know, I know Sharon signed them or Kevin signed it. God gets credit. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So the restructure, so he starts labeling. Now, this is the second thing. You got to start identifying and labeling the appropriate things in your life. You cannot keep coming up with cute, generic terms to classify the things that surround your life. If you really want to experience growth, especially young people, listen to me. If you want to experience growth, you just got to call it what it is. If it's an ace, call it an ace. If it's a spade, call it a spade. If it's holy, call it holy. If it's unholy, call it unholy. If it's right, call it right. Sometimes we got all these cute classifications for things in our lives, and we don't really maximize who we are because these things are holding us down because we don't call it by what it is. We got to give it a name. Yeah. Had some people show up in my house years ago. I, I share a portion of my testimony in a minute. 
had these people come to my house, showed up, pulled up in the BMW, had a case of Heineken's in the back. And the first thing he said, he said, what kind of girls we going to find today? I ain't seen them in like five years. I said, we about to find church. I'm going to church. You, you got, you, listen, if you can, I check this out, ultimatum. Come run with me and we're going to church or you can go on with that. He was like, we're going to go on then. I was like, later. You know why, D? Because I'm trying to run with eagles, not buzzards. I'm trying to run with eagles and I want to be with people who go up above elements and can soar high and look low. I don't want to be running like a bunch of vultures on a lower level just waiting for something to die in the middle of the world so we can get our eat on. I'm trying to fly. I'm trying to fly high. So I got to run with other leaders. I got to be with people who see like I see and who are visionaries and innovative and things of that nature. You can't expect You you can't expect you can't expect you you can't expect to get there. You got to really do watch your crowd. You got to watch the people. It doesn't make them bad, but right now at this stage in my life, I got to go. And when you change your mind, catch up. Tweet that. <laughs> so label things, calling things what they are. Believe me, God told Adam, name all the animals, name them. And all the animals that are roaring in your life, you need to call it by a name. And just identify, I know exactly what you are, this is what you are, and that's not what I want in my life. I'm out. That's the second stage. The third stage is is, is restoration. This is ultimately what we want. We want God to restore us. We want God to say, you know what, Lord, I know what I did in the past. I know who I was before, but you turned on the light. You've recreated my life. And now that I've been made anew spiritually, inwardly, I I, I noticed I've given you my life. I've surrendered my life. And now you're structuring things. You're moving things around. I see I'm making room for you to move in my life. And when you start doing that, God says it's restoration time to restore you. One of the things that I find interesting in Genesis chapter 1 is that God didn't create vegetation. He didn't make the flowers and oranges and apples and bananas. The Bible says that he spoke to the dirt and said, bring forth, or depending on your translation, produce. See, oh God, when, when, even when you go on throughout generation, the creation in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when you go on, the Bible says that he did, when he spoke to the sky, And he looked at the sky and he said, bring forth. And birds started flying in the sky. If God can bring birds out of the air and bring vegetation out of dirt, I wonder what God could get out of you. I wonder what's inside you. This is why Discovery 301 here at your church is so important because a lot of you are meandering through life, not really understanding uh, your life can be way more fulfilled than it is right now. But could it be possible that you haven't tapped into everything that's on the inside of you? Imagine if God just looked at you and said, bring forth. What would come out? What would come out? What's on the inside of you? That's yet to be determined for some of us. We're still exploring this, this, this operation in our life, you know? Little Dora the Explorer happening here. I got kids, so all these illustrations pop up and all that. And the Bible is your map. And Satan swiper. And you know Jesus said that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, and the only thing swiper do is swipe, a.k.a. he be stealing. 
So we want to explore. We want to explore our lives. We want to explore the inside of us. We want to explore, Lord, why am I here? I, I know my, my birth date was my release date. I'm here for a reason, to do something. What have you called me to do? And I challenge you that if you have been a little lethargic in your process going through and you haven't, you, maybe you went to Connect 101, I challenge you, go to Essentials 201. If you haven't, go through the whole process. Discover this thing. Find out how God has designed you and then run up on past and say, I know how I've been designed. I want to be part of the team. Yeah. You know, today's football, anybody watch a game? You got 50,000 people watching 22 people on the field. That's how Christianity is sometimes. 50,000 people watching 22 people on the field, putting all the effort, all the sweat, all the, you know, they tired. How about if we reverse the order and had 50,000 people and just had a ratio of 22 in the stand? How much work would we get done in the kingdom of God? You're talking about being God of the city. We would reflect that image of God in our city. We just bum rushed the whole city. 22,000 deep, 50,000 deep. People would get saved. They'd get scared. They'd be like, yeah, give me... I don't know what's going on, revival. Sad revival is going down. We got to get saved. Listen, I'm not going to have, listen, let me, let me go this way. Let me, let me share, I, D, it's seven. I got, I got a couple minutes. I, if I, if I don't want to bore you, I don't want to bore you. Listen, listen, listen. Okay, stop. So I can keep going. Then we could do this in an appropriate time. All right, so let me just share, my life is discovered in this. Found my life in this. I'm going to share some highlights real quick. When, when I was uh, 15 years old, anybody 15? 16? My man, 50 grand, love the hat. When, when I was about 16, I, I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the South Bronx. Um, and, and I met my wife in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. So you got to understand that early on there was some fights. No, I just threw that in there. But here I am, I'm from New York City. I, I, I live a certain lifestyle where I'm just out there, I'm young, I'm, I'm just being influenced by the street. No, no structure in regard and religion. I don't understand God or anything like that. But God is still in love with me, though I don't understand him. That's what I love about him. There are people who, who, who act like they know God, but they don't love God. And there are people who don't know God, but I'm telling you, they love God. And, and I was in that position where I didn't really know him, but I knew that if he was real, I would love on him. I would love when I'm saying, at 17, let me, let me kind of press the fast forward button on this. At the age of about 17, I was 16 and a half, uh, uh, to leave out a lot of details, I had been in so much trouble that they had sentenced me to 15 years in prison. So, so hey, now you got to understand, this is my story. I, I struggled. I told uh, another pastor recently, I said, when I get around people in general, I can kick it. I can be on your level and just, just, just move with the crowd, you know? And, but sometimes when I get around pastors and leaders and I start hearing, I, you know, I'll ear hustle a little bit and listen to conversations and, and they'll say things like, I've matriculated from Yale University. I went to Carl and Godwell. And I'm not knocking that, believe me, because I went back to school and, and I got my degree, but that's not the issue. I, I still judge myself sometimes, and this is an insecurity, and I'm being real vulnerable with you right now. But like I said, preach Puerto Rican because I'm real. So... Um, um, I, would, I would hear these things and I would always be intimidated, but this is my story and I can't change it. It's just who I am. So at 17, they hit me with those numbers and I'm like, wow. So here I am. I'm a young man. I'm intimidated. I'm scared and I'm in the penal system in Massachusetts. So I leave New York and I come out here and this is the situation I find myself in. Now you got to understand this. Let me give you also another disclaimer. This happened 22 years ago, people. So it's not like it happened last week. So please don't judge me. All right. <laughs> Do the math. I'm almost 40. So 
So, so anyways, we, I'm in this situation and, and somebody invites me to go to a Bible study. And I go to this Bible study and all I remember, Pastor, was that he looked like Jesse Duplantis. That's all I can remember. And I don't remember what he talked about, but he said, who wants to give their life over to Jesus? And all I thought was, my life's a mess. I need something else better than what I've been trying. And I said, I want it. I just want it. And I went up there, and, and I'm telling you, people, I have my own experience. I don't know what yours was like, but the power of God had hit me so hard, I couldn't even stand. I was vibrating. I was, I, I was hyperventilating. I was crying. I had this uncontrollable experience in my life that I had. I knew God had touched me, though I couldn't explain what actually occurred. And so some time, and I did everything in my power, to, my best to discipline myself. I remember going through small transitions. I stopped cursing. I stopped doing, but, but they was like, you're so young. We're giving you an opportunity. Go, go. And I went out there and I went, but I didn't go with Jesus. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with him out here. I tell you what, we'll do that when I'm there. But right now I'm going back out here. And that's what happened. And I just surrounded myself. And I was always one of those younger people who always hung around people that were way older than myself. So I was exposed to a lot at an earlier age. So by the time I was 19, I was just, I was doing wrong. I was selling drugs and, 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 and the money was really driving me at that stage. I get into some trouble again. It was the best trouble I've ever had in my life because this is where I really had an encounter with God. And I had that second experience that was duplicated that second time again, God hit me and something inside me during that time. Now, this is my oldest right here. When my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was pregnant with her, I knew my dad was never around and I don't want her to go through what I went through. And when she was coming out, I was saying, I got to change. And to this day, we kind of, I kind of joke about it because you ask me what my kid's birthday is. I probably struggle with a year, but when it comes to her, I know it's 827.97 at 4.54 p.m. because I got that information over the phone when I was in a real vulnerable state. And I was like, I don't want her not to have me. I got to go through a transition in my life. So God had turned on the light previously, but now when that happened, it was restructuring time. I got to be serious now. I started surrounding myself with people who were just pouring into my life. I'm talking about they, God placed me in a room with a guy who was the king of a Nieta group. Now, I don't know if you know anything about this, but, but he was like protection for me. He used to call me Chewy. He said, Chewy, I got you. You run around here and do what I'm, listen, I'm a young kid and I got my head up high walking around murderers like, listen, that's Mohica's my man. That's my man. Y'all don't want it. Now let's pray. And I went around and I started sharing my faith with people. I remember having my Bible and I went out into this one block. It was called the drug block and I dropped my Bible. And there was this one guy named Julius Manning from Hyde Park in Boston who just, he taught me this one principle. He said, just share what you know. Don't ever share anything that you don't know. Don't even try to impress, just share what you know. And all I knew was John chapter one. They told me to keep reading John chapter one. I read it so much until I just memorized it. So I went out there and dropped my Bible. And I said, who wants to have a Bible study? <laughs> this one dude came down, Puerto Rican cat named Angel Garcia. Matter of fact, I bumped into him six months ago at Walmart in Worcester, prayed for him in the soda aisle. Yeah, yeah but anyways, he showed up to that Bible study. By the end of that month, out of the 90 people that were in that one particular block, 75 of those guys were down at that table, surrounded by that table, we was having church every Sunday because we didn't have a Sunday service there. And all those men were getting a Bible study every week on John chapter one. <laughs> I just shared what I knew. 
I just shared what I know. And I would be out there, and I, I got to a point where I didn't even need my Bible because I, I said, I know what I'm talking about today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made, and without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. There came a man who was from, John, from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to the light. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And I'm, listen, no, no, no. I don't say that to impress you. I was in that situation where I was, I just had to know this stuff. I just knew that they were coming back next week. And I'm like, what am I going to give them? Let's go to John chapter one. People started getting saved. Eventually it got to the point where everywhere I went, they just knew that's the preacher. That's the preacher. Now understand this. What he did today, he drastically intimidated me. Because when he said, I want you to go up there and I want you, I, I, come, I want you to speak on Sunday, he called me. I was nervous. I was studying, so I just happened to be studying for my right. I run a Bible study in my area, and I was studying for the Bible. He called me, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Emily, you upstairs? Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I work out the details after the fact, yeah. But what he doesn't realize is that even though I've worked at a church before and I preached before, for him to take the initiative to believe in me and to expose me, you guys don't realize Gretchen pulled me into his office and she put, she said, he'll be in here, just stay in his office. I was like, dude, I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm just sitting in here by, in his office like it's mine. I was like, I got to go. Let me go out here with the people. I, I, you ever feel like you've been exposed and you're in a realm that's beyond your pay grade, so to speak? And, I, and, I, and, I, and I, God started to minister to me. The Bible says a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. And I just had to shut up and humble myself. And that's why every time I get around him, I get around my pastor, Pastor Jonathan, and I get around other people, Derek, I mean, uh, uh, Dan Stafford in New Jersey, who's another coach of mine. When I get around these people, I like to just sit and shut up. Just teach me. Just teach me. Because I'm trying to be where you are. You have experience and expertise and things that I don't know, and you can teach me. Just, I just want to be an intern, if, I, if you will. Just teach me. Yeah, just, yes, amen. Just teach me. And so... I eventually went through that experience, and then and, and out of all that taking place, I had a lot of mentors even there, even there, had a lot of mentors, and, and some massive situation broke out where a lot of people got injured and attacked with some dogs, and, and, the, and the chaplain got suspended, and I thought, a lot, I thought other people were going to step up in the chaplaincy. That's like another word for church in the, in the joint, okay? I thought a lot of people were going to step up in the chaplaincy and run this thing. And then eventually they was like, Em, you need to go up there. And I'm like, no, Damien could go up there. No, this guy could go up. This brother just quoted the book of Proverbs by himself. I said, he could go up there. And nobody wanted to go up there. And I thought, I said, Lord, I'm not going to let this time expire and waste 50 minutes without people at least hearing about the word. So I went up there scared, nervous. Now, you got to understand, this is a young kid talking to people who are 30, 40 years old, and I'm up there. And you know what I was sharing? John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Y'all ready for something deep? John chapter 1. And people started getting saved. And in my cell, somebody prayed for me prior to that. We used to meet in this little room. It was five of us, shoulder to shoulder, putting in tapes, teaching tapes, listening to the authority of the believer. I quote Ephesians chapter 1. Just because we played again, we want to hear four or five hours just sitting in there, listening to the word, getting it in us. I walk out of there and say, man, I know Ephesians chapter 1 by heart. God touched me. I went back. I, God baptized. See, when I, when, I, when, I run, when I got out that environment and I started running into church the political way, see, I didn't know that. 
And when I ran into, when I got out and I started seeing people do church, I realized there was a lot of debates about foolishness. And I said, man, you arguing about that? And you arguing about that? And you arguing about that? I was having my own experience with God. And I'm like, listen, dude, I'm not going to argue about it because I got hit with the ghost and I started speaking in tongues. And I don't know about what you experienced, but I know what I experienced and it's real to me. So, and that's what a witness does. A witness doesn't debate. A witness, a witness is not a lawyer. When God called you to be a witness, witnesses just tell their side of the story. He didn't ask you to be a judge and he didn't ask you to be a lawyer. He said, be a witness. So just tell what you saw and tell what you experienced. And I just said, listen, this is what happened to me. This is what I experienced. And as a result, the rest is history. God started moving me in certain places. And I had, you know, and here I am. Went through restructuring, went through labeling, identifying with things, cutting things out of my life. I'm not saying that I'm perfect because sometimes you can highlight all this stuff in this brief testimony and negate the fact that I went through some struggles. And we all go through struggles. And I, I almost, you know, got into some trouble with my wife not being emotional enough, being so hard as a result of my history. But I worked on all that. And I'm, I'm thinking, God, Gretchen said something about my wife. And I said, she gets credit because you get to see me with the bow tie. But what you don't know is I don't sleep in this. And she gets to see me when I'm broken and when I'm good, when I'm wrong and when I'm right. And so for her to be a coach and a cheerleader behind me, when none of you get to see the flaws in my life, she's the substratum in my life in addition to God, of course. But, but really, she really does get a lot of credit for being there and not giving up on me while I was going through my restructure. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to challenge a couple of people because we're going to surrender some things in our heart to God. And, and I'm going to take a sip of this water because my mouth is parched, right? <laughs> um, God is good, people. He is so good, man. He is so, and I'm telling you, I am an underdog. I I'm I'm really am an underdog, and sometimes, I, like he said, I don't feel qualified, but then I got to just humble myself and realize that he qualifies those he calls. And in his eyes, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. In his eyes, I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. In his eyes, I'm the head and not the tail. And so we got to embrace the reality of what God says about us in his word, and you're going to need that confidence to deal with life. And I'm telling you, people, if I can come, let me say this. The stats were against me. I told my wife the other day, I was going through some research and I'm studying. And I said, Emily, I shouldn't even be where I am right now. Now, you don't understand. I should not even be here at all. Even if, even if I wasn't dead or if I wasn't in prison or anything like that, uh, uh, um, I shouldn't even be here functioning emotionally, intellectually at the level that I am right now doing what I'm doing. I, this is all credit to God. I, I, I have a launch team of almost 60 people that's, that's going to help me get this church started. And sometimes I run back to my room and I go home and I say, Lord, me, like me, you could have, there could have been someone else, someone who had a higher IQ, somebody who was smarter, somebody who, who had more influence, but, but me. And I look and I, and I see these families following me and they look up to me and I'm just, I'm just so humbled. But then it also keeps me on point to say, you, you got to be everything that God has called you to be. Time is ticking. We don't have much time to do this. We, no, I'm just meaning in, in general. We don't have time to be wasting people. 
get behind Connect Community Church in this Ashland, Framingham, whatever other area, place, and get behind them, and let's do this thing in the name of Jesus. If I leave here saying anything, you can forget my testimony and forget your three points, but just remember that God wants to inspire. See, sometimes you, we need to be reinvigorated and re-inspired to say, you know what? Maybe I've let my guard down and I let the fire dim out a little bit again, and, and it needs to be re-encouraged and reignited again. So I can say, you know what? I, I told my, me and my daughter was talking, the passion that drove me to God, that keeps me doing what I'm doing at the apex that I do it, is not the same thing that she's exposed to as my daughter. My extreme is her normal. And it's my job as a parent to make sure that she has a vibrant relationship where this doesn't become religious to her. This is a challenge for all of us who do this. There are a lot of people in here, you've had your personal encounter and we're forcing our kids through this process and I'm trying to create a balance that said, listen, I know that this is your normal. You've been raised, you've seen this all the time. Yeah, you get tired of my voice. Everybody else was excited, but you, you ready to go home. I understand that, but God is real, and he wants a relationship in your life, and your story is important, people. Just like that crazy story I partially told you is important to me, I can't change it, your story is important. Whether you had extremes or you did not, your story is important. Whether you were abandoned or whether you are a pastor's kid, your story is important. Whether you were promiscuous or you were a virgin when you got married, your story is important. I don't care who you are and where you are, Whoever you are, your story is important. Your birth date, like I said, is your release date into the world. And the reason why he gave you that date was to start life so that you can discover who you are and begin this process to fulfill God's purpose for your life. So we got to get involved. It's not just about sitting around. It's about saying, where do I fit? And if we don't have a position and this is my passion, can I create that position? Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just give you praise and I give you honor and I give you glory for what you're doing. I'm always humbled by what you do. You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God and beside you there is no other. We look to you and you only. Father, we surrender our hearts to you today. Every aspect of our hearts. Sometimes we surrender things to God but then we take certain things back off the desk and say, I gave you that but not this. But today we're putting everything back up there. If it was worry that you thought you gave it to him, but you took it back, I want you to place it back today. Yeah, if it was whatever it was that you didn't surrender, we want to surrender our husbands, our wives. We want to surrender our children to the Lord today. We want to surrender our money. Money is not our God. It will not be our mammon. God is going to be God in our lives. Father, we, we, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. We want to make room for you to move in our lives any areas that we've been reluctant to deal with because maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's pulling at us. We aspire today to make the changes. We make decisions today and we go home and protect those decisions by surrounding them with the appropriate boundaries. If it's that television station, Father, we call the cable company tomorrow and say, scramble that. If it's an incident issue, we decide today, Lord, that tomorrow we're getting that software and we're going to have an open discussion with those we love. Whatever it is, we want to just give our lives totally over to you. Over to you, Lord. We submit everything. Our minds, our hearts. And while we're praying right now, I just sense, if you're here right now, I don't ever want to assume that you've given your life over to Jesus. If there's somebody here while I'm praying and you say, no, M, 
no matter what I've heard, I've never personally made a commitment to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray with you if you are here. Just raise your hand and put it down, and I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you if that's you. If that's you, just put your hand and raise and put it down if that's you. And for everyone else, we recommit our lives right now, Lord. It's okay to recommit our lives on a daily basis, on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. We recommit and ask that you stir up the gift of God that is within us. Reinvigorate us, Lord. Remotivate us again. Recreate us. Restructure. Whatever. We want to be restored so that we can be fully used with no talent left behind. We give you glory for what you're, done, what you're doing, what you have done, and what we know you will continue to do. And we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, people. Come on, come on. Let's give him. Let's honor the man of God. Come on.